G'day folks and welcome to another episode of the Club Rugby Collective podcast brought to you by All Sports Physiotherapy. My name is Brendan Source Hotel from Queensland Rugby Union and joining me this week as per usual we've got my old mate Jay Ball Staunton. Jay how are we? Living the dream saucy boy how you going my brother? I am good mate and we've got a special guest this week we have one of our new QPR commentators Alicia Lucas better probably known as Alicia Quirk but Lucas now. Alicia how are we? Good, thanks, team. Thanks for having me on. No, thanks very much for joining us, Alicia. It's really special to have you on. Obviously, um, got the chance to call down at Sunnybank Bond the other week, and we're going to have you on board for this week's coming match of the round between East and GPS, which is exciting. But before we get into Hospital Challenge Cup, given that we've got one of our uh, Australian Olympian gold medalists here on the pod we want to ask a question uh, with some with regards to women's rugby we've seen in 2020 it's the first time that we've got all nine clubs with women's teams um and you know alicia while you're originally from down south you've played up here for sunnybank previously um the growth of the women's comp up here obviously it's it's 15s rugby at the moment rather than sevens but to have two new clubs come in and to see the results so far it's only sort of positive things moving forward for the women's game at the second yeah, most definitely. It's um, obviously a time where um, women's sport could have gone in the other way. Um, but to see Queensland Rugby invest in two new teams into the competition and to have those clubs back the women's teams is um, incredible. And to then also then see the talent spread amongst those teams so that um, every every team in the competition is competitive. Um, and that just provides more footy opportunities for girls, which is going to be greater um, for represent, representative honours later, um, if they are to come. And also just builds a bit more fire amongst the teams and amongst the um, clubs, having a women's team to be a part of them and builds a bit more camaraderie and a bit more of a um, a feel at the club. And, and that's what people just want to play for the love of it at the minute. So it's so great to see the women's game growing in that facet. Yeah, very true. I know uh, down at Tigerland, we're doing a lot to incorporate the girls um, into the scene, which is good. But um, in terms of, I suppose, the competition as a whole now, it's probably the first time for a period where we've actually got a level of competition around everyone. It's, it'd be very hard to pick who our finals are going to be at the moment because I don't think it's any secret that Sunnybank have been the bee's knees of women's rugby for the last five, six years, having won umpteen dozen competitions straight. But um, Why do you think I played there? Well, uh, but we have seen the the nucleus of that sort of squad sort of shift around a bit. A few of the Super W girls have sort of moved. So I know at East, obviously, we've got Kiri Lingman and Shannon Maddow there. We've seen some of the other Super W girls like Alina Greenhall and M. Bass move from West down to Bond, who they've obviously played sevens with down there. So we're seeing a bit of a spread of talent. So, I mean, from the outside looking in, it's exciting to see the fact that – you know, the, the, the trophy's up for grabs for anyone at the moment, I think. There's really a number of teams that could put their hand up and grab it. Yeah, it's awesome to see. And I think it'll be a really big push to who can win the first trophy when all nine clubs are involved in it too. Like that's a bit of a status thing, a reboot from kind of the old days where Sunnybank just dominated the competition. And I think for the girls that have been in the elite level environment of Super W, they realise how they want to be playing against the best week in, week out. And if that means they have to separate from each other, separate from the club, they're only going to get reap the rewards and reap the benefits of playing against each other spread out 
amongst different clubs. So it's so great to see them spread their talent amongst the teams and um, Bond, they had a fantastic um, program for their Aon and they've kind of fed that into their, their sevens as well. So I think that will see them develop really good. I know a lot of the sevens girls like Katie Costello, she's scoring like four or four, four or five tries a week. So she's um, a real stalwart for them as well. So it's just great to build the competition and I'll only continue to get bigger and better, I reckon. Well, I think Bond in particular had the most impressive start. They put 90 or something on Norse on the weekend. And the week before that, they knocked off Sunnybank. And they're the first club to do that in a long time. So it's exciting times for women's rugby. It's huge. But let's jump into possible Challenge Cup from the weekend. And we'll kick things off over at Yoku Road with Jeeps V Brothers. Now, Jade, this is obviously one of the biggest games of the year for any mm. fan of either club. The Gallopers were pretty convincing here in a 26-13 win. Uh, mate, what did you take away from that clash? Uh, just how bloody good Jeeps are. Like, uh, they, look, it was a tight match for pretty much, you know, the opening 40, 50-odd minutes. Brothers, I think, really, it was a brutal match. and Brothers did really well to stay in it, but... I don't think they were ever really in that match. Jinx really dictated the flow of that game. But the, the most exciting thing for mine is the expansive nature with which Jeeps is actually playing with. Even a couple of years ago when they won that premiership, they had, you know, Jay Thompson and, you know, all these crazy players out in their back line, but they didn't necessarily unleash them as much as they have in the opening three rounds this year. And that's, that's saying a lot because they are still dominant at the set piece. They're still like Jamie Rickwood is absolutely annihilating blokes in the forward pack. Like they are still devastating a brutal up front. But then in the back line, Bernard Nickel played the best game he's ever played that I've seen. Um, you know, and they're just absolutely running right. So for, for mine, it, it was... It was just, it just highlighted just how good Jeeps really are. Um, and it also, for mine, actually sort of showed, I've been saying it the last couple of weeks, that Brothers, fourth spot on the ladder is Brothers to lose, and they still have not been convincing in the opening three weeks. Yeah, I'm really waiting for Brothers to fire. It's an interesting one. Um, I'm not 100% sure what to make of um, their performances so far, but... I think, as I was mentioned to you guys before the pod started, I think the scary thing for Jeeps is we still haven't seen them get out of third, fourth gear. I think there's a lot more that um, is to come from the Gallopers once they sort of truly get tested, which I'm hoping that that'll be the case this weekend when they come up against East. But um, Alicia, as, as a seven specialist, you would have appreciated um, Teddy Teller's footwork to set up uh, nearly a length of the field try. There was... Uh, some great stuff there from the Gallopers fly half in with inside his own 22. Yeah, it was beautiful to watch. And I think he, their Jeeps' general play kicking game too was unreal. And to see some fantastic finishes off the back of that was really yep. good. So I'm excited to see him light up the um, field again this weekend against East and set the platform for his um, brilliant backline, like Jay Ball was saying before. Mm. Well... Jay, mate, we know that Jeeps and East is coming up this weekend and that's obviously going to be a massive clash, but Brothers take on Bond. What do you reckon Brothers, for them, is sort of one key thing that they need to, to change to be a bit more effective moving forward? 
I'm not too sure, to be honest. The, the hardest thing for them, they're just, there's literally about seven or eight players that were so instrumental for them over the past couple of years that just aren't there at the moment. You know, like Smithy's up with the Reds and so is Fluky. You know, um, Lawson Crichton. Like, I said at the start of the season, if brothers are going to go deep this year, it's going to be on the back of someone like Lawson Crichton playing the house down. And that they've just taken away the core group of players that they really rely on to steady the ship. Um, and that's nothing against the players they've got. Like Rowan Sifaloy is a freak. Stixie's an absolute gun. But that they're just lacking, like this certain polish that brothers tend to have. And that's and that's brought on by some of those players that they had in the system that are now in the bubble with the Reds or whatever it may be. So, look to be honest, like I can't really see them doing too much different. Yeah. All it is is that they're just lacking some of their their game breakers, their experienced campaigners, their their the key players that they would have relied on. Yeah, like the guys that in those crucial moments would be able to actually make an impact. And that's nothing against the players they've got coming in. You know, like Chris Larosa, I reckon is a bloody brilliant footballer, um, but you know. Would you rather have Chris LaRosa or Josh Fluke there? Josh Fluke is a massive game breaker. Same with Lawson Crichton, stuff like that. Like, Got big you know, it's, it's for you. what's that? Oh, he's getting a start this weekend. He's getting a start, mate, in the thirteen jersey. In the thirteen jersey. Yep. I love that. I love. I love. We'll get to this when we talk about Mac really in that ECUQ game. But I love the fact that there we. We are backing our youngsters in the game here in Queensland at the moment, all the way from that professional game down. That is fantastic. Yes, that is right bloody there. brilliant news source. I think Brothers is just a, unfortunately a victim of their own success um, at the moment with the number yes. of guys that have got onto higher honours. Yeah, yeah, and that's hard. When you take a take such a consistent, strong group that's been building on something for such a long period of time, you take away a big chunk of that. The other the other guys need time to develop and to um, find their own and find those moments where they can take the opportunities and be game changers. But at the minute, it doesn't look like they're doing that. And that's why they're mm. getting beaten in those crucial crucial times and crucial big things. And maybe the back end of the season, they'll have that. But they've got to obviously put a bit more consistent performances in to be able to hold on to that fourth spot, like you were saying, Dave. They just need to be there come the end of the season. If they can just be there, like... This is a sprint to the finish this season. There's literally only eight rounds left, which seems absolutely mental considering we just essentially started. started. But it is just one, it is just one, for every team, it's one big long run into the finals. And so, you know, there, 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 could, be, there could be a side that has like, you know, a 60% win record, like has three losses. And potentially because the season is so short and condensed and there could be teams that get knocked off that you wouldn't have thought get knocked off. We could see a side that has three losses make it in in that fourth spot. So it's got to be a weird one. But, yeah, they just need to be there. But, yeah, just have not been convincing. No, very true. Well, before we move on to the next game, special shout-out. Ryan Freeney, 100 games for GPS. He notched it in fourth grade on the weekend. Ran out with his son Izzy, which is good to see. But uh, stole well of Prem Rugby, albeit the bigger of a pest he is. Um, He's still a little. <laughs> yeah, that, that <laughs> great achievement, especially for a bloke. Yeah, no, congrats to the big months. man. 
<laughs> All right. Well, we'll move on. Sunnybank v Souths. Uh, now, this was one of two really tight games we had on the weekend. So it was a 14-13 finish. The bank getting up for their first win. And Alicia, it was your brother-in-law kicking the Dragons to the win. Well, he's been actually kicking really good. I've been really impressed with his consistency with the boot. It's been the best I've seen. And he didn't really do too much kicking last season. Um, so it's good he stepped up to the plate. And um, great for them to get a win that had a disappointing loss the week before after the Hooter again to, to bond. Um, so it was good for them to s- sneak one back against um, South on All Boys Day, of course, as well. So that was a good celebration for their club and a good win for them to get on the board. No, mm-hmm. true. First home game of the year, getting a narrow win like that in a tight tussle, always good to see. I think this is an interesting one because it probably sort of spoke about sort of the two teams in terms of the fact that Sunnybank were in that fight and the boot Tommy really kept kept them in that mix, whereas this was really South to lose. They scored two tries, slotted a penalty, but missed two conversions. And yeah. they slotted either of those, they've won the game. And I think this is probably just a case of South still needing to finish off with a bit of polish in terms of their gameplay and other little areas in the match, um, whereas Sunnybank are just going to stay in the fight throughout. But, um, Joe, mate, what did you make of this uh, this tight tussle? It was actually a bloody brilliant game of footy. Like, this is the thing. So, I know at the start of the season, we were all saying, well, I was saying at the very least, that, um, you know, you're going to see teams like Sunnybank and South struggle. But the last two years of Premier Rugby, and you talk to anybody who knows the game, they all say it's been some of the best footy we've seen in years. But I think because of COVID, we're seeing... I think we touched on it last week, Source. We're seeing old heads who have moved back to Queensland, your Aidan Toas, your Ben Mullins, your Junior Rasalias. They're going, let's all have a trundle. You've got the guys, your Richie Asiatas and your Landon Hayes and your Tom Milosevic's, who are, you know, your mid-tier experience campaigners who are going to go on to their next avenue in, in their career have come back. You've got the youngsters that would typically be in a red system or an under-20 system, your Mac Reillys and co., that are in this, that are all playing. So we've literally got the best standard of footy that we could possibly have. And so you're not going to see so much disparity. So that, I mean, that was a side, that was a game where you've got a Sunnybank side that is rebuilding and you've got a South side that is on the precipice of great things with a bloody young side, but it looked like they were absolute experienced campaigners. And that was a bloody good game of footy. There wasn't the polish that you probably saw in the UQ East game. But it was still a good game of footy. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see two of the, the like Sunnybank and South and um, to an extent North and Bond and stuff like that actually knocking off some of the bigger sides, your UQ, your East, your Jeeps, your brothers and stuff like that. And I was massively impressed with this game. It was a brutal game. The South side derby always is. But as you said, Source, South, they cooped it. Like they, they really should have iced that game. They gave away a couple of... Um, uh, silly penalties at the end there, and they will rue that. But I think, uh, yeah, I think South can take a lot of solace in that loss. I know it sucks to say, and it's loser talk to say, but they, they should be proud of themselves for, you know, getting up for that match. And I wouldn't be surprised if they do pick up a couple, uh, jag a couple good wings as a result. This was definitely an improved performance from the week before against GPS. And um, I think as well, having Luke Samoa come back into the lineup, he's played at 10 um, rather than Roman Prasad. 
um, that adds a level of um, class and experience there that they probably missed a bit. So I think they'll only get better with him at the helm there for um, as they move forward. Um, but we'll jump forward to... Well, actually, before we jump forward, um, given that we've got a former Dragons great on the pod in Alicia, we just want to check in with you. Is there anyone in particular that you want to pinpoint as a Sunnybank player to watch this season or a few guys that potentially... Um, you know, you've spoken with Tommy about that uh, we should be keeping an eye out for? Um, I've been really impressed with um, Joseph Teki Murray. Um, I thought yeah. he's been really good throughout um, last week against Bond and then um, the week before, oh, sorry, week before against Bond and then last week against um, South. And then I play Misfit Touch with him on Wednesday. And he's, for back row, brilliant with ball in hand, um, elusive and, and really great as well. I think he's been really good. And I think... Young, um, the young halfback McNamara as well. I yeah. think he'll only continue to build and develop in that role, and he's learning the difference between senior rugby and junior rugby, where you don't actually have to, you know, you see a half gap, you don't actually have to take it every time. You're probably not going to get through um, in that higher representative um, type of footy um, and learn to build platforms and phases. So I think he'll be really instrumental, and if he can continue to be really good, and he'll build the platform for them going forward. But yeah, they're probably my two at the minute besides my natural bias of Tommy playing well. There's <laughs> a good shout on Joseph Techie Murray. I think he's probably been one of the battlers of the comp that probably doesn't get the recognition he deserves. And he had um, yeah. one or two seasons over at South before coming back to Sunnybank. Um, yeah. And I don't necessarily know if that move um, allowed him the time in Premier Grade that I think he warrants. So I think it was a good move for him to go back to the bank and... Um, yeah, mate. Uh, I think you know, it's, it's a shortened season like this with his ability, he can definitely have a massive impact at the bank. But we'll jump forward to our other closely contested match, Bond v North. And this one was essentially a repeat of the match that you guys commentated a week ago, Alicia. Yeah, it was. It was tip the tat either either side. So many tries were um, ran in, and then Mitch third again, winning it at the death for his team. Um, incredible with the boot again. He's been really instrumental for them thus far this season and it was a really um, entertaining game and, and great for Bond to get a win at home as well. No, very true, very true. So once again, as we mentioned, Mitch Thurs stepping up for another 80-minute penalty. So there were six tries apiece and I think while 30 obviously will be... Um, He'll be the one that's sort of talked about as a kicker from this match, having slotted his second winning penalty in as many weeks. Um, Jacob Prideau, the 10 for, Bo- for Norse, I should say, he had a near-perfect game with the boot as well. He slotted five from six conversions and one penalty. And, you know, once again, did not miss that one conversion. It could have been, you know, a different result with the Eagles securing what would have been a pretty good scalp away from home. Um but Jay, mate, another guy for Bond who's really performed, Jonathan Rubin. Um, now, this guy was apparently the leading point scorer in the Q Cup for the last season and has come over to Union for a crack, obviously, with no league being played, mate. What have you made of his uh, performances so far in the opening three rounds? He's been good. I mean, um, he's for Norse as well. Sorry, Norse boy. Um, not Bond. But um, yeah, he... Uh, <laughs> you're right, brother. Um, but, mate, he's been good. You could see the week before he's he's just trying to find the rhythm a bit 
um, the difference between sort of rugby and and uh, and league. So the idea that you can sort of add yourself in in, in more occasions and stuff like that. But um, it, it's interesting to see because you've got uh, you've got two leagueies that have added themselves into this North's outfit in Reese Tarpanay and John Rubin, and they're both playing on those fringes. And one thing that um, rugby league players are really good at is their, their sort of one-on-one de- uh, defense as well as with ball in hand. And you can see once they get a sniff, Reese Harpenay gets on the outside and he starts to get those hands free. But also John Rubin, when he's actually one-on-one with someone, he actually really works that space really well. So, and this is from a bloke who, um, who's only just sort of starting to learn the game. If that's if that's sort of the progression he can have from one week to the next, there's no reason why he won't be firing on all cylinders towards the back end of this season, especially if Reese Harpenay keeps absolutely chopping up. I know I've got a big old man crush on him, but he is <laughs> an absolute superstar in my opinion. So, uh, look, Norths North were unlucky to lose this game. That's that's true, but they they're going to knock off a lot of teams this season. I think they're going to take a lot of teams by surprise and they're going to actually pick up a few wins. So don't discount Norths this season and don't go sleeping on them at all. No, I think that's a very good shout, mate. Um, I think both them and Sunnybank, you know, and Souths are all three teams that could really be bogeys for some of the top of the table ones if they decide that they're going to have a slow week. Um, yeah. Honey. Jay, we mentioned this before the, the pod kicked off. Obviously, Bond mm-hmm. have um, had to fall back on the kicking of 30 for two weeks in a row and got out of jail, mate. But how crucial is it, mate, as they come into some matches against some, uh, I suppose, some of the more um, proficient teams within the comp? How crucial is it for them to get a good start and actually sort of stamp their authority on matches, mate, rather than hoping it for to get out of jail card? Look, they're winning. Who cares? They're winning. I mean, Bond of <laughs> Bond the last couple of years, I've said two years ago, they would have won the competition if they made it into the finals. They were that bloody good. They started with, they started 0-5. Last year, they started like 0-6 or something like that and then just missed out on the finals. They are a good side. They're a bloody good outfit. Now they've started the season for the first time in however bloody long with two wins and I'm picking that they're going to go up to Butters this weekend and knock them off as well. So if they can go... If they can have start a season three and zero, there's no reason why, and I don't care how they do it. If they win three nil, they've started the season three and zero. They can attack from anywhere. We know how they like to play. They've got deadly wingers. Rian Stowers and Gus Casafakatini uh, have come in, and they haven't lost a step. And they they can do they can do anything just as good as any other side in the competition. They've got a big forward pack. They've got a mobile back row. They've got a great halves pairing. They've got good centres. They've got a deadly back three. They are as good as any team in the competition. If they start the season three and zero, that fourth spot in the top four could very well and should very well go to them. They just need to start and maintain winning. Uh, the, the winning roll on to the season. If they can do that, they're going to absolutely kill it. So, look, yes, they've gotten out of jail in the death in two weeks in a row, but they've started with two wins. So I don't think uh, Grant Anderson's going to really care all that much. No, that's fair, mate. I think uh, this weekend will be a good challenge for them, travelling up to Crosby Park for their first away game. Um, I'm sure I hope they smash them. I hope they smash brothers. <laughs> I'm sure they'll get a warm reception from the boys in the butchery. That's <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, mate. I think uh, Camillo and Marley are going to be absolutely going hell for leather. Oh, I've missed Camillo. I look forward to going to <laughs> the first game of the brothers. How good was it he got named in the, um, the brothers team of the decade? Oh, mate, I, that's where I voted, <laughs> I'm mate. loving it. <laughs> oh, mate. Um, before we jump and talk forward to the matches that are coming ahead, we've got one more game to review. And Jay, this one was an absolute cracker. East v, well, UQV East is a St. Lucia, but the Tigers upsetting the reigning premiers, 31-24, mate. How good? Mate, it was absolutely fantastic, and I wouldn't call it an upset. I was calling East going to win it this year. I think this weekend, to be honest, uh, could dictate who comes away uh, with that number one spot towards the back end of the season going into finals. Once we hit finals, anything can happen. We all know that, but... Mate, East, too big, too strong. Their forward pack absolutely snotted UQ. The fact that UQ only finished down by seven is um, a testament to how good they actually are. I know they got that Mac really intercept right at the death there to, to uh, shorten that lead. But, you know, on a dry track, who knows what happens with UQ. They could absolutely run East off the, East off the park. But, mate, East, like their forward pack is absolutely massive. I said in the broadcast, there's, it looks like that front row has one neck between the three of them. Their second row is a tall. Their back row is massive. Like, their seven is bigger than some of the second rowers going around at some of the other clubs. Ben Moen is a giant. They... There's not, there's not a single chink in their armour. There's not a single chink in their armour. There isn't. There isn't. It, like, every other side... Maybe aside from Jeeps, you can pick something apart where you can really attack them. Like, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Like, yeah, I, I can't, I can't I see a side agree, dominating yeah. East this season. Well, mate, I think the thing is, if you look at that UQ backline, you're thinking, wow, there's a lot that they can do. There's a lot of talent there. But the Tigers forwards, mate, just took them out of the game because, mm. you know, you can't doesn't matter how good your backline is, if you're not able to set a platform for them through set piece, um, it's, you know, they may as well not be there. And while yeah, I yeah, saw Yuki took two, yeah. they had two chances in their own 22, and one they had to take off a quick tap, and then you, they unleashed them and they were unstoppable, like Con Foley yeah. out yeah. to um, Matt Greeley for a beautiful try, and then they finished on the wing the second one. But they didn't get many opportunities in their own 22, like you said, Sauce, because the East forward pack was just so dominant. It was just rolling and they couldn't get any momentum up that end. But when they did, they were good. But if you take them out of the equation, then East are just too strong. But let's, let's, not, discount, let's not discount the fact that UQ over the past few seasons, the UQ over the past decade necessarily don't have a dominant set piece, yet they've won five premierships. It, yeah. I mean, it plays a huge part. It does. And as I said, you know, you've got to take some solace in the fact that it was wet weather, it was lousy. They still didn't let that dampen the way that they play their footy. They were still playing expansive footy. They, were, they back... They back themselves, as I said earlier on in the podcast, that they're still, they're not afraid to back an 18-year-old kid who's making his Premier Rugby debut and getting the ball into the hands of Mac, really. Like, they didn't let the conditions or the circumstances of their forwards getting absolutely munted change the way that they want to play footy. And it, it's a credit to them. 
And it's testament to how good UQ are as a club for the better part of a decade that that's how they actually play their footy. Look, I still think East and Jeeps are the team to beat this season. You can't be that experienced, that big, that strong and that deadly with ball in hand and without and, you know, not go deep into the finals. And UQ is going to be there as well. But I just think... When you look at the other sides, you look at Jeeps, you look at East, and you look at just the way that they look and they play, and, and it, it's hard to find a chink in their armour. If there's a chink in the UQ armour, it's probably that they aren't big as big as some of the other sides out there. We know that. You look at East and Jeeps, it's hard to find one. Mm. Well, man, I'm just trying to think back. I'm not sure if I've seen a more sort of dominant scrum performance there or whether or not it was just a case of the front rows just being, you know, um, at different experience levels, but I felt for Hamish Richardson there, um, he was the, the sort of the one UQ prop who's sort of one of their experienced campaigners and had to come on and try and um, save, save the show. And, Salvage. Uh, got two yellow yeah. cards for his efforts. Mate, and he, he actually went all right. He, it like, um, you know, he, he was, uh, he's almost like the sacrificial lamb to an extent. You know, he... There were a few scrums he actually really did shore up well and all that sort of stuff. I think uh, he put in a hell of a shift, but, you know, like Reese Van Neck, George Francis and Richie Asiata just had an absolute field day. No matter who was there, I think uh, Alex Davies started. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The young part. 19-year-old hooker came on in between those two props, mate, and continued the, like, the effort, mate. Good on him. But that's it. Like, Hamish Richardson did, did a good job with what he had, but... You know, like, I think um, the damage was already done. And, like, you know, George Francis, man, he is a thick unit, man. Reese Van Neck, Chodo Baggins, we know how strong he Your is. Favorite, mate. I love, yeah, I love Chodo Baggins, mate. Reese Van No Neck. Um, but, like, <laughs> this is the thing. Like, they're, they're, they're just, they're, they're such a well-balanced side. Like, it's not just that they are a good side and they're, they had no real weakness. They're so well balanced. They are so well balanced. And we talk about that so much in rugby that you can't just have players that are good in positions. It's a, it's a cohesive, you know, outfit. And I think they just have, they have the right player in the right position to be able to, to um, come away with it this year. Man, I think take skill out of it as well. I think the indication of where the club's at or at least the Prem grade team, is... So, Benny Moen scored that try to sort of cement it for them, and you saw his reaction afterwards, getting up, just absolutely screaming at the UQ guys in front of him. Like, I don't know how many times you see professional players come back and just show that love and passion, and it's been, obviously, a long time between drinks for Benny playing for East in terms of his the way his professional career went from... Reds mm. to Tars to Brumbies, then over to to France before coming back. Um, but that whole time, like Ace has been his club, and that's his love. And you can just see the passion he's putting into it. But I suppose the other little storyline that we had in that match is uh, Moen on Greeley. So um, <laughs> Greeley's not in the Reds bubble anymore. He's tra- back training with the academy team. So Moen's his coach um, at the moment. And we saw when he got the chance, Greeley just wound up at red full pelt into Benny. And Benny got a yellow card for his efforts. 
I'm not quite sure if it was a yellow card. To be perfectly honest, I think he was just sort of sort of waiting to see what happened. And then Mac just ran full pelt on the moon. That quick, he wasn't ready to drop his body height. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that was an interesting little storyline to observe in that game. Yeah, yeah. I was talking to uh, Connor Maroney last night. He was the, obviously the, the flanker from uh, UQ on the weekend. And he was saying the kick was put in. He's jogging back and he sort of looked up, saw Mac really running and just saw about six enormous east blokes <laughs> in a flat line just pushing up and he was like oh geez here we go and he could see and he said he looked into max eyes and he saw him looking left and right and was like oh, all right and just went straight and then decided to run at former wallaby skipper i'm like okay cool yeah if you got to pick one of them run at him but yeah ben moen didn't miss him like connor said he was within a eye shot of it and saw ben moen clicked him square in the grill so yeah he um they really, uh, really laid it on him, which is funny as, in my yeah. opinion. I wish I was at academy training Monday, mate, to see the conversation. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> would, have been, would have been great banter thrown around. Definitely. Yeah, they would have been chirping sure. hard. Well, <laughs> good. well, looking forward to this weekend's matches. As we mentioned, Brothers v. Bond down at Brothers. Um, Jay, you know, we've spoken about this on a little bit already, but um, how do you see this one playing out? Uh, I see Bond knocking off brothers on their home track. I think last year, if I'm recalling correctly, Bond Bond went up to brothers and only just went down on their home track when Bond, uh, brothers were smashing everyone left, right and centre. So Bond have gotten better at travelling. They've gotten better at travelling, which is really good. And they're a classy outfit. Brothers aren't as deadly. Um, and I, I hope for the sake of Grant Anderson and co that they can sniff a little bit of blood in the water and they can continue their um, winning start to the season. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. But I reckon um, I reckon Bond might be able to go up there and knock them off. And I hope they do. Fair call. Now, Alicia, Sunnybank versus UQ. Back when you were playing for Sunnybank, this was the rivalry. Yeah, it was very, very big when, when I was back there. But it's going to be a tough one because my... Husband's best friend, Con Foley, plays for UQ and then obviously family at Sunnybank. So it's going to be a, you know, what side do you pick? Lucky I won't be there to watch and I'll be busy commentating <laughs> with, with J-Bor, focusing on bigger and better things. Um, but I think as much as I would love to back Sunnybank in, it could be their bogey game that they upset UQ. But I think um, if the conditions are right, UQ might be a bit too strong and classy for the bank mm. this weekend. Well, I think it's going to be an interesting matchup if UQ roll out with the same lineup that they did last week with Scotty Gale at 10. Scotty versus Tommy Lucas. Tommy. I think that'll be, yeah, a great, great clash. Yeah, I think it will be too. I think Tuck may have his measure, but I think the outside, um, we've got, like, Sunnybank has some inexperienced centres, um, and I think the experience of Foley and, and even just his combination with... Um, Matt Greeley as well from last week you saw when they light, light up, they, that'd be quite good. So I think they might just have the measure in the outside backs over you, over Sunnybank. Yeah. Well, I don't think the UQ forward pack's going to have the same um, test ahead of them as they did against East this week. So we might see that back line fire a bit more. Um, but yeah. Jay, mate, your boys after a week off, North versus West, you guys are back in action. Um, what can we expect out of the doggies this week, mate, as they head up to Hugh Courtney? Uh, they'd better be up for it because if they don't, they're going to get absolutely pumped. 100%. North, 
like, Norths have always been the doggies bogey side. Talking to Big Fat Dars on the Pillar to Post podcast a couple of weeks ago, he was actually a part of um, a doggy side that lost to Teachers Norths in the early 2000s for the first time in 30-odd years. See the thing old. is, yeah, he's a big, fat old man. Um, but this is the thing. Like, Norths regularly get up for West games and West regularly don't show up for North games. And when you've got a, a Norse outfit that is balanced, they've got a good forward pack now. They're, they're coached uh, by Ox and former West coach in uh, Pat Byron. So he's going to know sure. know them a little bit um, by that way as well. Like there's no reason why North can't dust them. And I want to like, obviously I'm going for the dogs, but and I want the doggies to win. But just to be controversial, I'm going to say North are going to do them on their home track. Mate, Woo! Great call. Very cool. As I wear a West shirt. <laughs> good shirt, mate. This will be the first time Paddy Byron comes up against his old club, mate. And, and uh, mm. you know, he was obviously a doggy stalwart there for a long time. Mm. But he's a, he's a North junior himself. So I'm just... I actually like that Nug's gone over there. They've got Ox, who was part of... Was it St. Pat's? Um, a few years ago. So they're, they're like what you were talking about in the call the other week, Quirky with Ando and stuff, how they were saying they what really want to make sure that they start recruiting in their local area. I've said it for a long time. Like Norths should have free reign of everyone north of Nunda. You know, like anyone <laughs> from St. Pat's, anyone um, from Padua and Co. They should get anyone who's coming down from the sunny coast. They should be able to get those guys. And the fact that they've got... Um, you know, Nug, who is a junior, you've got Ox from that area there. They're starting to get those local guys coming in. John Rubin's come over from the Redcliffe Dolphins. Like, that's how it should be working. It should all be funneling in there. Let brothers Filtering have the Nudge yeah. Terrace vibe and all that sort of stuff, which they do so well and we all know they do. They, they have a huge net and there's no reason why they can't really start to change the, the fortunes of that club. But, yeah, look... If history repeats itself and West doesn't show up, North could do them. Yeah, I think this will be interesting to watch because if you look at the lineups over the last few weeks, I think West has probably got the better forward pack, whereas North have got a hell of a lot of good finishes in that back line. So that's it. It, but Norths don't have a, a bad forward pack anymore. I, I yeah. yes, the forwards. I think. Look, I reckon the front row. The Bobcat's going to be back. Bronson Fotuali'i Tawakapulu's back. And we saw as soon as he came on against Massive. East, he started snotting them. Um, and you partner him with Ush and uh, Gav Luca. I think I think the set piece is where it's going to be won and lost. And I think West are going to do them in the set piece. But whether they can actually convert that into points, because we've seen that their back line doesn't really have as much polish as it used to. If the mm-hmm. back line... Backline has to take their chances, and if they don't, Norths are going to take theirs, and they're going to win. So, true. Yeah, they don't show up coming off the back of a bye to could play into yes, head yes. even more. Yes, starting the season with a bye sucks. Yeah, it's never great. You lose all that momentum from those early trial rounds, and yeah, especially when you've only got a nine-game season. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, folks, on to the big dance for this weekend. East versus Jeeps. It's the first home game at Tigerland. You all know I'm going to be excited for this one. But, uh, oh. Jay, <laughs> Jay, mate, does it get any bigger, mate? East v Jeeps at East. 
Nah, this one's going to be an absolute barn burn. I am fizzing to get all up in this one. Um, I can't. We saw last year that Jeeps were coming off the premiership. They had the buy in the first round. Everybody thought, me including, that they were going to go to East and absolutely smash them. And Pillsy kicks a penalty to win it at the death in the pouring rain. And everyone was like, all right, what's just happened here? So, like, when you look at it, Jeeps and East are so very much alike. Experienced campaigners, game breakers in the back line, dominant set piece. I think the difference is going to be the crew of Mongoloids that sit down on the 22 there. What are they called? The third half. Um, third half we mate, saw last literally, literally in that, um, in that game corresponding fixture last year that I was just talking about, there was two lineouts and two scrums that were won as a result of those, um, those lunatics that sit down there and, and rip in. And I wouldn't be surprised if that happens again. Look, just because they're on their home track, you've got to give it to East. You, you do. Mm. Well, mate, interestingly enough, we're not going to have that third half uh, seated in that area of the grandstand. So with some COVID rules, um, what Michael Lucas, our GM, is doing is setting up the beer garden as sort of the players area and putting chairs and things like that in there. And he's had to sort of adjust things with regards to the COVID safe plan. So, Oh, well, then they've lost it now. Well, yeah, they're if, done. if that was Jay reason for them winning, there's no way they're going to win now. COVID, ruining everything. Now. So closer to the try line. Yeah, it's about time you roped them off. <laughs> oh, mate. Most yeah. other clubs do it. Really good players area. Um, but, yeah, mate, I think there's some great matchups here across the board. But I think the front row battle here is going to be absolutely immense, mate. You've got an old school campaigner like Freddie Burke. who's going to be packing down opposite Georgie Francis. Um you got Miley Nuamo going up against Richie Asiata, mate. Probably two of the best. That's huge. Yeah. That's massive. That that for mine, they're, they are the players to watch this weekend. Like, Miley's been absolutely awesome. Richie Asiata's looking fit and jacked and ripped like Rambo. And I'm like, oh, mate, those two guys are two of the best ball-running hookers. They are the two best ball-running hookers in the game and two of the best I've seen in a bloody long time. And, oh, mate, I reckon they're going to absolutely rip into each other. And then, obviously, mate, we were missing Jack Frampton last week for that win over UQ. He should be back at fly half this week after coming back from a, from a head knock. So then you're going to have Frampton opposite Teddy Teller, mate. Mate, epic. Like, like all the matchups are so well balanced. You've got, you know, that they, they both play the same sort of brand of footy, you know, that, that set piece. And, yeah, it's... Mate, this, this just has all the trimmings to be an absolute belter of a match. And you could potentially see one of the best games of footy in Premier Rugby you've seen in years with this match. Yeah. And when teams are so balanced like that, it comes down to who makes the least amount of errors and who capitalises on the other team's errors. Yes, yes. So if one can stay the most polished, that'll probably be the team that wins over the top and can execute, maintain possession and just build phases against the other team, then they're going to come out on top when they're so evenly balanced like they are. That's it. This this one's like flip of a coin. As I said, the only reason I'm going east, or the only reason I'm more confident in east than jeeps, is they're at home. At home. Mm. Like, if it was a jeeps, I'd probably say jeeps. Yeah. No, I agree. I think it's flip of a coin in this scenario. And in terms of your point there, Alicia, with regards to mistakes, from either of these two teams have been um, perfect across the opening three rounds. Like. East definitely sort of let UQ back into that match a little bit last week. And I was 
sitting next to the, the coaching staff when uh, Landon Hayes threw that intercept to Mac Greeley and they were not impressed, to say the least. Yeah. Um, but at least you and they were lucky at the end there when Yuki knocked it on as they were in the 82nd minute rolling, yeah. rolling, the forwards were rolling and it was just a UQ error that got them out of jail as well. So, yeah, if... Um, yeah, I'm going to have to probably take... I'm going to take Jeeps just because I was playing touch with the boys last night and the banter they were throwing. They're up for it. They're ready. They're firing to give back to that third half in their rope section. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be an interesting game. I'm excited. Yeah. If there's if there's been one issue with East and, like, having spoken to Conor Maroney last week before their match, they he just said the one thing they've identified is, you know, against West, they... They did let them back in and stuff like that. But, you know, they're still coming away with the wins. So, yeah, they, they, they need to at least just... They just need to put in an 80-minute performance. If they do that, they should ice Jeeps. Just. Very true. Very true. Well, folks, we got another great weekend of footy ahead. And, Alicia, we understand this is going to be your last weekend up here with QPR before you head back down to Sydney. Yeah, head back down south, unfortunately. Well, you don't like us. No, I would stay here forever if I could. <laughs> right, I you've got to get stuck into some training because you've got uh, Olympics coming up as of next year. Yes. Yes. All going to plan. Doesn't get going out of the water <laughs> yeah. again. Yeah, you seem confident about that one, Quirky. <laughs> <laughs> um, fingers crossed. Well, yeah. we've seen those fingers, on the sevens Fingers, now, everything so. goes. Getting, getting stuck into some club footy down in Shoot Shield. I've seen some great highlights of um, some of the Warringah girls coming back, particularly Chloe Dalton. Have you got plans to pull on a jersey for anyone in the next few weeks, Alicia? Yeah, no, I don't. <laughs> you don't want to play with my team? You can play with me and Big Bad Ass. Yeah, actually, sign me up for that. That, that might yeah, be more, more my flavour <laughs> than, yeah. than the, the 15. I feel like I'm getting to that stage where I'm just, I'm just sevens. Just let me play for odds when I need to. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about doing that, just hanging up the and playing sevens, but, you know, I just couldn't walk away, you know. Hey, you I can walk away from your commitment. Side. Hey, great fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, folks, I am definitely excited for the weekend ahead, as I know you guys are. So thanks me very too. much for joining us. Um, Jamie oh, yeah. and Alicia. And we'll catch you out at Tigerland on the weekend. Rock Thanks on. Paul. See you, Zach. All righty. Thanks, folks. <laughs>